Good morning. This is Pastor Brent from Rochester Hills Baptist Church. You enjoy listening to Truth For Today, but today I'd like to introduce you to another ministry, Rochester Hills Christian School. RHCS is a K-12 private Christian school that features a full daycare. We minister to the students of today to help them to face the challenges of tomorrow. RHCS has strong biblical values, high academic standards, an exciting sports program for boys and girls, wonderful extracurricular activities, and excellent facilities that feature a full science lab, computer lab, art studio, and robotics lab. Call us today at 248-852-0585, extension 200, or visit our website, rhcschool.org. Good morning. Welcome and thank you for tuning in to Truth For Today, ministry of Rochester Hills Baptist Church. Whether you're driving or listening at home or work, we hope that today's Bible message will challenge your heart and encourage your soul. Please visit us on our website at rhbchurch.com and be our special guest at one of our services at 3300 South Livernois Road in Rochester Hills. And now today's message from our pastor, Al Hightower. In case you haven't heard, he is alive. He is alive. Open your Bibles with me this morning to the Gospel of John. John's Gospel, chapter number 14. Jesus has met together for the very last time before his death with his apostles. Uh, it's that meal that we call the Last Supper. Now, nobody in the room knows what's going to happen except for the Lord. Judas has it in mind that this is his opportunity to make some money. And so, you know, he betrays the Lord and he has this all planned out, but he doesn't know exactly how it's going to work out. Peter eventually denies the Lord, but he has no idea that's going to happen. The only one who really knows what's going on is the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows that in just a little while they'll finish their meal and they'll go out and into the garden and uh, he'll pray and the other fellows will fall asleep. He, he knows that. He knows that in just a little while uh, the soldiers will come and they'll take him away. He knows that very, very soon he's going to have to die on the cross of Calvary. He knows that. He understands that his purpose in coming to this world was not just to be a good example and not just to be a good teacher and not just to be a good man, although he was all of those. His purpose in coming to this world was to die for the sins of mankind. And so he knew that very, very soon he would have to offer his life as a sacrifice for the sins of every person who ever lived. He knew the pain would be agonizing and excruciating. He knew that he would hang on that cross, pouring out his precious blood until he died. He knew that they would take his body down and place it into a borrowed tomb. He knew that his lifeless body would lie there for three days and three nights, and then it would rise again. He knew all this was going to happen, and so he speaks some words of comfort. 
I want you to understand that our message this morning is in the light of the fact that in just a few hours he's going to die and in just a few days he's going to rise again. He says these words kind of as a farewell speech to his disciples. If you're able to stand, stand with me please. And we'll look at John's Gospel chapter 14 in verse number 1. Our Lord is speaking and he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we not know whither we know not whither thou goest. How can we know the way? And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless this message this morning. We've all come today to celebrate the resurrection, and we're so grateful for that. And so, Lord, I pray that in this preaching time, you might speak to each and to every heart. If there are those in the room who do not know Christ as Savior, I pray that today they would have a personal relationship with the one who is risen. God, for those of us who are saved, remind us of this blessed event. Help us to realize how grateful we ought to be and then help us to live accordingly. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. He begins with a promise. He says to them, let not your heart be troubled. Now, there was no reason at this moment their heart should be troubled. They just had a good meal. They were celebrating the Passover. But in a few hours, they would be troubled because all of them would deny him. In just a few more hours, they would be greatly troubled because the one that they were convinced was the Messiah would be hanging on the cross. And they would be greatly troubled when his body was placed into the tomb. But he says to them right now, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, he said, believe also in me. These are words of great comfort. He said, he said, in my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And then he said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. He said, I just want to comfort you that before long, I'm going to heaven, and before much longer after that, you're going to be there with me. I want to encourage you this morning that one of these days, for those of us who are saved, one of these days, we're all going to be in heaven. Now, I realize that that may not be something very, very exciting to you right now. I heard the Sunday school teacher who taught the third grade boys said, how many of you want to go to heaven And they all raised their hand, but one little guy. And the teacher said, you don't want to go to heaven? He goes, well, I do, but it sounds like you're getting up a load to go now. (laughs) 
Yeah, we're, we're looking forward to glory, but honestly, we're, we're not just ready to go right now. Although the older we live, the more folks who have gone on before, the, the less this old world has to hold for us. But, but, but he's just saying, one of these days, all of you who know me, you're going to be with me in heaven. You know, the Bible teaches us that heaven is a wonderful place. I don't know who came up with this goofy idea that you sit around on a cloud and play a harp. Does that sound like fun to you? I mean, in my entire life, I've heard maybe two people that I would even like to hear play the harp, let alone play the harp myself. No. Somebody says, well, you know, maybe you get to golf when you go to heaven. Uh, What fun would that be? A perfect shot every time. (laughs) You can't tease the guy who hits the ball terribly. I don't don't think you're going to play golf in heaven. Somebody says, well, what are we going to do in heaven? I don't know, but I do know this. He said, let not your heart be troubled. He said it's beyond. Paul in the book of 1 Corinthians says, Eye hath not seen and ear hath not heard and neither hath entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love Him. And so the comfort is heaven, whatever it is we're going to do. Now I understand we'll be worshiping the Lord. I get it that we'll be praising Him. I know that we'll never get tired of that. But I don't know the specifics of what are we going to do. But I knew all this, it's going to be a wonderful place. The Bible teaches us in heaven, we get a brand new body. Think about that. A body that never ever gets sick again. No allergies. I've noticed allergy season is upon us. I saw some of the students walking down the hall. looked like they'd been crying and their noses are red. I said, what's going on? Allergies. No allergies in heaven. Nobody gets the flu in heaven. Our oldest grandson had the flu on uh, uh, Monday and Tuesday last week. I think it was Monday and Tuesday and he was out of school. But he got better and came back to school. And on Wednesday, his younger brother is sitting out by the principal's office. And I walked by. I said, what's the matter with you? He said, I'm sick. And I thought, oh, great. He got the same thing his brother had. I said, well, when did you get sick? He said, I I was on the tire swing spinning and I caught the flu. Well, it was pretty much the circular flu, and he got over it. (laughs) But I don't think you even get the flu on a tire swing in heaven. In heaven, nobody uses a wheelchair or a walker or crutches. We get a brand new body. A body with, with absolutely no sickness. I'm not positive about this. Don't quote me on this. But I think in heaven, everybody's bald. <laughs> you see, we sing that song, There's No Parting There. <laughs> All right, I won't do that anymore. That's terrible. 
But, but just think about it. There's, there's no arthritis. There's no diabetes. There's no cancer. There's no flu. There's no cold. There's no sickness. You get a brand new body. He, no wonder he says, let not your heart be troubled. We had in the church that I pastored in Missouri, we had a class for special needs adults. And in that class, they had a time of singing and they worked up a special song to sing in the auditorium. And they sang that old southern gospel song, Hallelujah Square. The song goes like this. I saw a blind man tapping along, losing his way as he passed through the throng. And I forget the rest of the words, but he comes up and says, I'll see all my friends in Hallelujah Square. Talks about a, a, a lame man who will walk again in Hallelujah Square. And as these uh, uh, challenged adults with their, with their uh, mental infirmities sang, there wasn't a dry eye in our auditorium because you're just thinking how sweet is heaven going to be for these guys? How sweet is heaven going to be for those who never could walk on strong limbs? How sweet is heaven going to be when we get to be reunited with our loved ones? Everybody in this room, everybody, you know somebody right now who's in heaven. And if you're saved, you get to see them again. Our church had a ministry to the soldiers at Fort Leonard Wood in Missouri. and On Sunday nights, we were allowed to bring soldiers from basic training and we'd feed them and then preach the gospel. And many, many, many of them got saved. It was just a wonderful opportunity. If we had small groups, we would deal with them at the front of the auditorium at the altar. And if we had larger groups, we would go into the Sunday school rooms around the church. And one Sunday night, we had a small group. And so uh, about a third of the soldiers were females. One of, the, one of the girl soldiers came forward. And one of our ladies is dealing with her right about here in relationship to the pulpit. And both these ladies are just sobbing. That's not unusual for people getting saved to get emotional, but they were just sobbing. And I thought, wow, what's going on here? And so after the service, I asked our lady, I said, what's the story with your soldier? And she said, you wouldn't believe it. She said on Tuesday, she got back from emergency leave. She had to go home because her husband had drowned. And she went home for the funeral. She said while she's at home going through his belongings, she found a letter that he had written the very day that he lost his life, never had a chance to mail it. And in the letter, he told her how two men had come by the house earlier that morning, knocked on the door, and explained to him how to get saved. And the man got saved. And he's writing a letter to his wife explaining to her that he had trusted Christ as Savior. Well, she read the letter, but she didn't know what it meant to be saved. She didn't understand what he was trying to explain to her. She comes back from the funeral. On Tuesday, on Sunday, she comes to our church. 
And that night I preached just a simple message about how you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. And I said in the course of the message, like I did today, everybody here knows somebody who's in heaven. And when she came forward, she told our counselor, she said, I need to get saved. I want to get saved so that I can be with the Lord and so I can see my husband again. Listen, those of you that have lost a dear spouse, you're going to see him again someday. Those of you who have parents who've gone on to heaven, one of these days, children now in glory, one of these days you're going to see them again. No wonder Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. It's a place where you get a brand new body. It's a place where you're reunited with love. It's a place where there's no sin. You don't have to put up with the garbage of the world. You don't have to have your ears offended because nobody takes God's name in vain in heaven. You don't have to divert your eyes because there are no ungodly advertisements on billboards in heaven. Heaven is a wonderful place. And so he says to his disciples, he says, let not your heart be troubled. It's a word of comfort. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I don't know what that mansion's going to be like. I, I don't know if Somebody else has to clean it. I don't know who my neighbors are going to be. Somebody said it like this, to live above with saints we loved will certainly be glory. To dwell below with folks we know, well, that's another story. I don't know if you get to pick your name. I don't know anything about that. But I do know this. I know that it's wonderful. I know that heaven is a wonderful place. And so our Savior said, let not your heart be troubled. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. The where I am, there you may be also. We get to be with the Lord. The one who loves us. Remember when our grandsons were little, especially the oldest one. We didn't get to see them often, and so we'd call them. I said, I want to talk to, to Tyler. This is before Kyle could talk. Little kids don't like to talk on the phone. I don't know if you noticed that. But it's important, because I'm his grandpa. And so he'd get on the phone. He didn't want to talk very long. And so I'd say, okay, I love you. Goodbye. He'd say, I love you. And I'd say, I love you more. And he'd say, no, I love you more. And so we got a game going. The louder you said it, the more you loved. And so i say, no, I love you more. And he'd be yelling, no, I love you more. And I would always let him win. But I loved him more. You know, you and I could say, God, I love you. And he could say back, no, I love you more. And the honest truth is, he does love you more. He loves us so much 
that He made a way for us to get to heaven. You see, the sad truth is not, not, not everybody gets to go to heaven. Now, God wants everybody in heaven. God has made provision for everybody to go to heaven, but not everybody gets to go to heaven. The only way that you get to heaven, and don't misunderstand, you don't get to heaven because you're a good person. You don't get to heaven because you join this church or you're a member of any other church. There's no church that can get you to heaven. You don't get to go to heaven because you were christened or baptized or catechized or simonized or galvanized. None of those get you to heaven. The only way that you can get to heaven is to have your sins paid for. No matter how hard I try, I cannot live without sin. And even if I could start today and never sin again, I still have to give an account for my sins of yesterday and last week and last month and last year. And so do you. We're all sinners. Nobody's perfect. And because of our sin, the Bible teaches us there's a penalty. It says, for the wages of sin is death. Simply put, there's two kinds of deaths, physical death, but hell's called the second death. What that means is because I'm a sinner, because you're a sinner, if we got what we deserved, we would go to hell. Every person on this planet deserves to go to hell, but God made provision for us. Jesus went to the cross. In this Easter, celeb- in this Easter season, we celebrate the, the crucifixion. But you know, tragically, most people know that he died on the cross. They don't know why. He died as our substitute. He died as our sacrifice. He died taking our place. I read years ago, there was a man who had a large estate in San Francisco. And he had a a man who had come from China who took care of all of his gardens, just did an immaculate job with his yard. But he came to the boss one day and he said, uh, he said, I'm going to have to leave in a month. He said, I have to go back to China. And his boss said, are you, are you going to get married? He said, if so, he said, uh, come back. You're the best gardener I've ever had. He said, no, sir, I have to go back to China to die. And the boss said, I, I, I don't understand. Are you sick? And he said, no, sir. He said, he, he said, my brother has committed a crime. And in our province, they have a law that says a family member can be a substitute for the one who has committed a crime. He said, my brother made a foolish choice. He's sentenced to die. He said, he has a wife and he has two children. Nobody will care for his wife and nobody will care for his children. He says, I'm going home to die for my brother so that he might live to take care of his wife and family. When I read that story, I thought, I don't know any people like that. But then I thought, I know one who's exactly like that. Because each of us deserve to be punished for our sins, but 
Jesus Christ, because of his love to us, gave himself as a sacrifice on the cross. He, on that cross, the Bible says, he bare our sins in his own body. He suffered, he bled, he died. And then three days later, he rose again, proving that God had accepted his payment for our sins. And now he offers salvation as a free gift. Romans 10.13 is so simple. Romans 10.13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All you have to do is ask Jesus to save you, knowing that you can't save yourself. And what's amazing to me is the numbers of people who say, I, I know I ought to get saved. I know I should get saved. In fact, I plan to get saved, but they put it off. They wait. I read a story of a gypsy caravan moving through Europe in years gone by. They had learned that with their wagons full of possessions, when they crossed the bridge, they had to break the cadence because, because the, the vibrations would cause those old wooden bridges to just crumble. But on one particular day as they crossed a large river, it was raining hard and they assumed that probably the, the, the bridge was sturdy enough and, and they didn't bother to break cadence and as that caravan crossed the bridge, the bridge gave way and a couple of the wagons crashed into the river. There was a lady that couldn't swim. Her young teenage boy saw her struggling and he jumped into the river to save her. And as the current carried him downstream, he grabbed his mother to pull her to safety. But in her frantic condition, she put her arms around him and pulled them both under. And he broke free and came up gasping for air. And he cried out. He said, Mama, just relax. I'm trying to get you to shore. Don't fight me, please. And he swam to her again. And he grabbed her again. But again, she grabbed hold of him. And under they went, and he came up again, trying to catch his breath, but by now the current had taken her away. Twenty-one people lost their lives in that horrible accident. They had a mass funeral, and as the grieving family member stood around, that young teenage boy began to sob. He grabbed his mother's lifeless body and held it close to his breast. And he was heard to say these words, Mama, I would have saved you. I could have saved you, Mama. I wanted to save you. Why? Why wouldn't you let me save you? You know, I'm afraid someday there are going to be those who planned to get saved but never got saved. And those who intended to get saved but never got saved. And those who knew they should get saved and they never got saved, someday our Savior is going to say, I wanted to save you. I could have saved you. Why? Thank you for tuning in today for Truth For Today, the ministry of Rochester Hills Baptist Church. If you would like this message in its entirety, please visit us at rhbchurch.com or phone us at 248-852-0585. Please join us again next week for Truth For Today.